sermon we are going to begin looking, first of all, at the Great Commission in Matthew 28. So if you want to put, uh, if you want to go ahead and open there, let me go ahead and lead us in prayer. Father, as we have... Uh, are we, as we are continuing in worship, I pray now that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear uh, your word as it is read and proclaimed. And I ask God that you would be our teacher. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The Great Commission is central to everything that the church does. If we are not being faithful to the Great Commission, we are not, by definition, being faithful to Jesus Christ. The Great Commission is Jesus' mission statement for the church. And so to better understand Acts 14, I think it will be beneficial for us to first look at the Great Commission that Jesus gave to the church uh, after his resurrection from the dead. And so as I said, um, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Please hear Christ's commission to the church. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. It is not easy to remain faithful to the Great Commission. The Great Commission challenges uh, us to live outside our comfort zones because it takes us outside of our comfort zones when it tells us to go and make disciples. It also calls us to proclaim to a lost world that they indeed are lost. And people don't generally take too kindly to that kind of message. It is not easy to remain faithful to the Great Commission because it also challenges our self-centeredness. The, the Great Commission teaches us that uh, the church does not exist for us alone. The scriptures teach us that the church, of course, belongs to the Lord Jesus Christ. And he tells us to seek the lost, to go and make disciples. Furthermore, it is not easy to remain faithful to the Great Commission because it flies in the face of the spiritual forces that want to destroy the church. And we do believe in that unseen spiritual warfare that uh, is always active and always uh, trying to, to harm um, Christ's purposes here in this world. And so any serious attempt to grow Christ's kingdom will surely get the attention of those spiritual forces that want to destroy the church. So it is difficult to remain faithful to the Great Commission but I want you to look, continue looking at the Great Commission if you have your Bible still open there. And look at how Jesus bookends the Great Commission. 
in verse 18, he has told us in the clearest possible language that all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to him. And he is employing that power and authority specifically for the effectiveness of the church in carrying out the Great Commission. And on the back end of the Great Commission, he has told us that he is with us always, even to the end of the age. So so no matter how challenging it is to remain faithful to the Great Commission, no no, no matter how much discomfort or persecution we may face, as a result of holding faithful to the Great Commission. Jesus Christ is with His church and He is helping His church to succeed and even excel in our calling to make disciples of all nations. There's only one command in the entire Great Commission. Most people immediately think that that command is the word go. But actually, that word go is a participle. The only command in the Great Commission is the command to make disciples. All the other verbs, going, baptizing, teaching, all these things, they're, they're actually participles or, or verbal nouns if you know your English. And these participles describe how the church is to make disciples, how the church is to enfold then those disciples into the body of the church, and then how they are to train the disciples. They go and make disciples. They enfold those disciples into the church through baptism and, uh, and through church membership, and then they uh, teach them then to obey everything that Christ has commanded us. Spent a long time talking about disciples, about making disciples. Well, not a long time, but a few minutes. Um, but I haven't actually defined what a disciple is. A disciple, on the face of it, is a learner, for they must learn what is taught. But at a deeper level, a disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. It's not enough for us to simply know what Jesus calls us to do. He expects us to obey everything that He has commanded us. In other words... A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ who knows his word or is getting to know his word so that he can then obey his word. And this brings us to our text in Acts chapter 14. And I know it's Mother's Day. I know that we are also observing communion. And believe it or not, we're about halfway to a little over halfway finished with the sermon already. So you can relax and uh, pay attention to the Word of God. Uh, so if you would open your Bibles to Acts chapter 14, let me ask this question. How long does it take to make a disciple? And I want you to listen closely as I read from Acts chapter 14, verses 19 through 28, because uh, this passage gives us a clue to how long it takes 
to make a disciple. It will also help you understand why I spent a few moments talking about the Great Commission before we actually got into the text. So beginning with verse 19, and this overlaps with last week, and if you're visiting with us for the first time, we're working our way through the book of Acts. So beginning with verse 19, Acts 14. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium, and having persuaded the crowds, they stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church, with prayer and fasting they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they, then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, they went down to Atalia. And from there they sailed to Antioch, and that's Antioch in Syria, um, where they had been committed, uh, commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived, they gathered the church together and declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles, and they remained no little time with the Gentiles. Have you formed an answer to my question? Most people say um, that it typically takes a lifetime to make a disciple. Since since we are all always learning. Since we we never arrive here in this life, um, we never arrive at perfection as a follower of Jesus, then it takes a lifetime to become a disciple. Others say that it takes three years. Uh, since Jesus spent three years with his disciples. But the answer is, to the question, how long does it take to make a disciple? The answer is, that the moment a person becomes a follower of Jesus Christ, they are a disciple. Look at verse 21. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples. See that? They preached the gospel. The people became believers. And immediately those who became believers, um, Paul and Barnabas, are considering disciples. And then they enfolded them into the body of the church. What was kind of odd about this is they didn't have a church. The church was formed at the moment, really, that they were becoming believers. So in verse 23, when they appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Um, And so it's, it's remarkable to me that they took these brand new Christians... And they recognized in some way the grace of God, that God had gifted them for leadership, and they laid their hands on them and appointed them as elders. Uh, and it, just, it, it underscores just how important it is to be a member of the church. Um, in our day and age, it is, um, it's become uh, a, a habit to, to be a Christian but take very little uh, importance in being a member of the church. But here Paul 
is willing to form a church with these fledgling believers because he knows how important it is for them to be members of the body of Christ. And then also... Uh, they began teaching them, verse 22, they went back through, remember how they retraced their steps back through the cities that they had just preached in? They went back and visited those cities, strengthening the souls of the disciples, verse 22, encouraging them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul and Barnabas, in their, first of all, being sent out from the church in Antioch, and then in their going and then in their method that they employed, what they're simply doing is they are carrying out Christ's mission statement. They are simply putting into practice the Great Commission. The point of what I have been trying to underscore this morning is that the Great Commission gives us our marching orders. It also gives us our method for carrying out our marching orders. And it gives us complete assurance that we will be successful. So does that mean that we are only to go? Does does it mean that we are being unfaithful if we are not going? Well, look at verses um, 26 through 28. I'll start with verse 25. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, Perga they went down to Atalia. Um, And from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended uh, to the grace of God for the work they had fulfilled. And when they arrived they gathered the church together and they declared all that God had done for them and how they had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles and they remained no little time with the Gentiles. So they retraced their steps. They went back to their sending church, their home church, this church in Antioch uh, in Syria. Once they got back, they reported on what God had done through them. And then they stayed a long while in Antioch. In other words, they didn't come back and then go right back out. They stayed a long while. Or as it says in verse 28, they remained no little time with the disciples. Maybe it was to um, build Paul and Barnabas back up. Maybe Paul and Barnabas felt like they also needed to do some teaching in the church in, in Antioch to strengthen those disciples. But for whatever reason, they didn't turn around and go back out. However, we know from church history, we know from earlier in the book of Acts, that the people in Antioch were still uh, testifying to the grace of Jesus, to their friends and to uh, people who were coming through the city. Uh, But what I'm driving at is that there is a balance between going and staying These two things are not mutually exclusive. In fact, both of these things are included in the Great Commission. Go and make disciples and then baptize them and fold them into the membership of the church and then teach them to obey everything that uh, Christ has commanded us. We need to go and proclaim Christ outside the walls of this building, out into the community uh, here that we live in. Uh, But there are also times where we need to stay put um, so that we can be strengthened and encouraged. And again, there's this balance. Randy Pope, uh, PCA pastor up in Atlanta, 
Atlanta. Sorry, my southern is coming out when I start talking about him. Um, he says that uh, the church should be a safe home and an effective mission, and that those there should be a balance between those two things. So when do we stay, and when do we go? I believe that staying is for the purpose of going. We build ourselves up in Christ so that then we can boldly and effectively go out and proclaim Christ. When we go and how we go is left up to the leadership of the particular church. Uh, One of the ways that we have tried to build bridges into our community is uh, developing uh, intentional relationships with some of the gospel-oriented community ministries here in the Brandon area. So then we would have plenty of opportunities to go. Uh, Many of you know Cynthia Pinckney, and you can uh, call her up, and she she will give you plenty of opportunities to share your faith in Christ. We have Meals on Wheels. Uh, which has been going for decades here in our congregation. Another way to put our faith into practice and and many, many more. Um, And so anyone can get involved in those ministries with no problem and then you can be be trained then to uh, minister effectively. But I'm beginning to sense, I guess I felt for a, a while now, that a need for us as a congregation to spend some time going together. And by going together, um, maybe finding a time in, our, in the calendar year and, and, and finding some way then to, to go together as a congregation. I believe it will strengthen our prayer uh, life here in the church. I believe it will build our faith in general. But what will that going look like? I don't know. But I do know that if we are not actively going, we are lopsided in our ministry and we're out of rhythm or out of step with the great commission that our Lord Jesus Christ has given to the church. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we enjoy our fellowship here together. We enjoy each other here in this congregation immensely. Father, it is so easy to take our eyes off the commission that Christ has given to His church. It is so easy to become inward looking. And God, I pray that You would protect us from that. And I pray that You would give us the faith and the determination and the the, the zeal for Christ and His kingdom to go. Father, I pray that, if, that every person in our congregation be involved in going in some way or another. Even our shut-ins who are unable to, to leave their own homes. Um, I pray that you would help them to be prayer warriors for the spread of the gospel. Father, I have long believed even before I became a minister of Jesus Christ, that if a church is not actively sharing Christ, it is dying a slow and maybe even imperceptible uh, death. And Father, I pray that you would help us to be faithful, to be in step with this great commission that our Lord Jesus 
has given to the church. I pray in His name. Amen.